strap on your VR headset because we're about to transport you into the captivating world of Ghost of Tabor. Welcome to Tabor Radio. Hey, welcome to episode two of Tabor Radio, the official Ghost of Tabor podcast, which I guess isn't an aspect that we stressed enough in the first in- intro. It's all good. For the first episode, but yeah, this is the official Ghost of Tabor podcast. You know, on episode one, we did a little brief introduction of ourselves and what the podcast would be about. And then we were joined by the CEO of Combat Waffle Studios, Scott Albright. And for episode two, we have a great one planned where we're going to be talking with somebody that did a little bit of a community managing role, but now has moved on to QA and support and just overall has a great story in the VR industry. Uh, his name's Mikael, but most people know him by Purple Mikey. Purple Mikey. Yeah, so that's probably what you've seen him on Discord and, you know, maybe other other VR social media platforms and, and stuff like that. We already know this guy's a rock star, so. I think everybody on the Combat Waffle uh, team is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how you get a game like this. And, you know, for episode one, the wipe hadn't come yet. It was like... It was mythological. It was hyped. It was rumored. Everybody was excited for it. The wipe has come. Yep. And we've seen the new bunker, which looks sick. And even an update after the wipe. Yep. Mag palming is now in the game, which is something that we had talked with Scott about in episode one. But you can grab two clips at the same time and, you know, switch them out of the gun. So you don't need to, like, take your clip out, drop it, then grab. Nope. Two clips in the hand at once, which this is the first VR game to... To do that, that's huge. Well, they're having to pretty much make everything themselves. So, mm-hmm. and then you know this new bunker, Dude, totally the, the different. Desert Eagle, though Desert Eagle and airdrops. Yeah, that's the, now we're talking. Yeah, and airdrops is a whole. That's a that that's a game changing element of the game. It it gives good reason to to stick in a raid. I mean, ourselves included, we we're getting ready to leave, and then we saw that thing dropping from the sky. We're like, ah, let's stick around and see what happens. And, you know, two firefights later, you know, it, it made it worth it. So great changes. You know, you load into Tabor Island, you see the day tag on it. So we are, we know night's coming. And again, this bunker, it's totally redesigned. New rooms. Uh, no, with what they're doing, <laughs> with what they're doing with the, just the bunker element alone and then the future of it. You're, you're really playing two games now in one because the bunker element is in sense is going to be its own game in all the things that you're going to be able to do. And then you actually have the purpose of the game, which is the raid. So it's, it's pretty incredible to watch how this is expanding on both ends, both from a in-map gameplay as mm-hmm. well as just what's going on in the bunkers because you thought you had a lot of shit to do before. Now you, you got so much more you can do. Yeah, I've already referenced it a few times, but if anybody hasn't listened to the first episode of Tabor Radio yet where we sit down with Scott, I mean, something he teased was, you know, levels coming to your character, into your bunker, and we can see the foundation of that where at the end of the raid, you might gain some XP, lose some XP, depending on how you did, and it's great because they don't just reward you for loot. Of course, you do get some XP for that, but you get XP just for successfully doing the exfil for killing other players, for killing NPCs, for picking up Something things. to be made for everything. Yeah, so what's, what I think is great about that is it rewards so much more than just going in there, grabbing something quick and leaving. Like, no, hang out. Which I, you know, I I do it now and then. Because well, I just, you know, for time reasons or whatever, I can't. You know, there's other times where we'll jump in and we'll plan on. Well, I'm also guilty that I find something that it's like, 
I'm keeping this, I'm getting the hell out of that raid. Yeah, you, know, you want to keep it. Whereas other times, it's like we haven't really gotten any good loot yet, or I'm going more for like trader missions, you know, kill some players. Solo play, I, I tend to go in and just try to get the hell out and whatever I can grab from point A to point B, then I grab it, dump it when I get back to my, my bunker and then go in alone. But if I play, you know, with you or if we do you and Caleb, then... Or if we both we go, die and now you're alone. In, we go in for the, you know, that's when we're bringing the water and the food and we're mm-hmm. going in for the long haul and let's try to wipe the server. Yeah, and I mean... Take I'll, everything we can. Double I'll be, fisting. I'll be honest with you. If we're playing and you die and now it's me solo, it's a totally different feel yeah. in the game. The survival element is much more adrenaline inducing when you're by yourself yeah my primal senses are going any noise i hear any and then more so when you play with somebody because you watched your fucking buddy get killed <laughs> so obviously somebody's shooting at you and now you're the sole guy left that's mm-hmm. not like that person's gonna go oh i got one of them i'll just stop firing my gun now no whether it's npc or human and now there's a, a group of people who their thing is to uh they just hunt. Mm-hmm. I felt myself being stocked before. Yeah, I they swear. stealth hunt. And also, let's be real. Somebody kills your buddy. You want to kill them now. You go out there with a little bit of a vengeance, too. You know, somebody takes you out. It's, it's personal. I need to take them out, too. I hunted one guy once. <laughs> I um, followed him good. I was able to track him. And what I did was I used the, maybe I shouldn't even give this away, but I will. I used the tree trunks mm-hmm. to constantly block his line of sight for me. Because I'd know if I can't see him, he can't see me. But I knew where he was. And then he'd stop and like go in his backpack and I'd go to the next tree. And I was able to get like right up on him to the point where if I was good with, you know, a melee, I could have knifed him. Mm-hmm. But no, I just took out my gun and one shot, one killed him. I, you know, but it felt so good because I'm like, I had to stalk him across the street and make it across the street without being seen. Hope he doesn't turn around. I'm trying not to, you know, make too much noise. It was freaking awesome, dude. The only way that could have been better is if it ended with somebody killed you because they were hunting you at the same time. The hunter being hunted. <laughs> Which I'm sure has happened. So uh, many so many ways to play this game. Yeah, but this update, you know, so much has changed since episode one. You know, the the functionality. I think we're going to hear about it from... From Mikey? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. From sure. Mikey himself. Um, but I'll say without, without a doubt, just on my end, my performance has gone up so much. No crashes. Everything's running smooth. You know, no frame rate. So... I might argue performance goes up, like personal performance or game performance. I meant game performance, okay. like no frame rate like, drops. Yeah, personal performance, yeah, we played enough. It's yeah, know, but I go in waves. We've even gone through. Gonna we've improve. gone. We've gone through funks of like losing five raids in a row. You know, so I don't think I stop lying. We ain't yeah. never lost no five in a row. Yeah, that's a little. I know we have no three in a row definitely. Yeah. And then, as predicted after the wipe, I knew that like. There's going to be some serious players jumping into these servers, and that's when we got pinged like three times in a row. Mm-hmm. So yeah, player performance is one thing, but no, my game performance—you know, the visual yeah. quality of it, the frame rates—yeah, they everything's fixed a ton smooth, of shit. You know, so I'm anxious to hear about. Yeah, so hear about it firsthand. So one of the great things about this podcast is, you know, of course, you know, we interviewed Scott last week, but he's kind of the guy that's appeared on a bunch of different podcasts, a bunch of different media. And with Tabor Radio, something that's great is we're going to be able to get a chance to to hear from all of the different team members that make Ghost of Tabor great. So like we said at the beginning today, we're joined with Purple Mikey, uh, who works on the the Keyway side, some some game support. So be good. This, to, this should be a good one. Yeah, this is somebody with, you know, he's... He, 
We'll let him. We'll let him t- describe what he is. Yeah, Scott hyped him up. He said, "This yeah. is the guy." So that's You've why I'm, talk I'm excited. So let's hear what he has let's in bring store, it and, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. So stay tuned. And we're here. We're joined with Mikael, also known as Purple Mikey, in the online communities <laughs> for for Ghost of Zapor and some other VR games. You know, we've seen him around the uh, the VR industry for for quite a while since we started the podcast. Uh, so definitely excited to have Purple Mikey on, but. I think you'll do a much better job introducing yourself than than we, we will. will. Yeah. Uh, so, do you mind to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at uh, Combat Waffle Studios, and specifically with Ghost of Tabor? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, for Ghost of Tabor and Combat Waffle Studio, what I do is uh, mainly support, and um, I do uh, QA and uh, managing a small QA team. And uh, so, yeah, basically trying to break the game and then uh, <laughs> answering emails and how to fix the game. <laughs> so that is, uh, I'm on both edge, like breaking the game, fixing the game. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and I do jump in the middle too to uh, uh, do a couple of things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. It so- seems like everyone at Combat Waffle has many hats. They don't, it's like you're not just going to be one dimensional as an employee there. They're going to find something else that you can yeah. do or you're good at and I think put game, you in that role. The game's growing too fast and, and too the big game of a player exploded. base. exploded. It's not even growing. It's like literally exploded. And yeah. anytime yeah. I go into like chats or different groups on other social mediums, I'll see when people are asking like, hey, what games do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And there's always somebody saying, go sit the board, go sit the board. So for, yeah, uh, and sorry, it, keep going. It grew like beyond our expectations. We, we are always believed in our product we always believed in our vision um but you cannot imagine a game being a success like that in early access on app lab where there is basically no visibility so all the visibility is from uh uh basically content creators and uh players just telling their friends uh to play our game so it it definitely grew beyond expectations at least uh faster than we expected and uh, I'm very happy with that. But yeah, then we need to like kind of grow with the community because we can't stay a small team and uh, and try to manage uh, all those people. Yeah, the joys of growing exponentially. But, you know, on the first episode when we interviewed uh, Scott, he was very adamant. He was like, you got to get Mikey on. He's got a great story. You know, he hopped on board early. He's passionate. So, you know, when exactly did you discover Ghost of Tabor and when did you kind of start to uh, to work alongside them? Uh, yeah, I met Scott a few years ago. I'm not exactly sure when and how we met, actually. Uh, it's just like I've <laughs> been around the VR industry since uh, 2000, late 2000. Uh, I'm not even sure we can't count 2015 because <laughs> it was December. So, <laughs> but like a month in 2015 and then <laughs> 2016 and up. Uh, that's when I discovered VR and I've been involved in that, uh, world, I would say since that. Um, and then at some point I met Scott, I'm not sure when, and then, uh, and then he had the, the idea of making a VREL, which is a VR esport league. Uh, and then I started to work with him over there and then he, we started to chat and then he said, Hey, I'm working on a game. I, I really want to make the next big game. Um. And it is Ghost of the Bar. Uh, and then I, I was not familiar with uh, loop shooters. I never played Ghost of, uh, Escape from Tarkov. I never played on Showdown, games like that. So he just started to introduce me to that idea that was Ghost of the Bar. 
And I kind of got excited because I was like, yeah, it's basically a Nemo VR FPS. Like uh, you're always online, always, you know, building your skills in real life, but also uh, getting loot and things like that. So I, I was really excited about it. And um, I think it was June of last year when I I got introduced to the, the project and, and all that. And, uh, and then as, as we were growing, uh, as the game was growing, I would say, um, I was getting more and more insight uh, on what where it was. And uh, then starting at, say, November, I really started to uh, work closer to the team to try to build contacts because I've been around VR since a while, uh, helping devs. So I really tried to grow them. And then in December, Scott started to talk to me about joining the team. And I was like, ah, I'm really busy. And, uh, you know, I have a full-time job and I got a bunch of projects. And, and then he, he kept asking me. And then uh, around March, I said, okay, your project is way too awesome for me to pass. So I joined <laughs> the team. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I really love the team too because, like, being around them and seeing – at first, I was not directly involved with all the team members. It was mainly with Scott. But as the team, you know, were getting closer to a release, I would say, um, I started to talk with each individual members and really learn uh, the team behind the game, I would say. And uh, it's a bunch of people that I really enjoy being around. So I felt like I, I have my place right there with them. And how big was the team when you when you joined? Did you even know the total size? Because you know you said you were working pretty yeah. directly with Scott at that time. Uh, well, back like back in November, I would say I, I'm not sure uh, who was there yet. Uh, I know that there were some moving parts to uh, during the, the process because you know when you start with an idea, then uh, your vision might not match uh, everyone's vision. So at some point, you have moving pieces that you you need to. Um, find new people maybe they found a new role somewhere or something so uh, i can't say who was there when i was just talking with scott but uh back in march i know we uh, in, even february and january we were a small team uh i think we were six or seven yeah amazing it what can a... be done with with passion <laughs> you know a small oh, group yeah. but with a, a lot of passion it seems like everybody that works on tabor it's like they try it and your 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 well, eyes this, light in this, up. In this case, it seemed more like at the beginning, like more conceptual than mm-hmm. like here's the here's the product we're working with. I mean, you were sold on a, a a vision of what what could come, but it's always worth noting too that this game has not been under development for like three or four years here. Mm-hmm. So we're talking a wicked short amount of time. Oh yeah, and and it's available to play. It's the creepiest thing in the world to see this product this good in such a short time it's like it's we crazy. interview tons of developers and it's like a minimum of of two years to get a product out there and that that's not anything as immersive yep. as as this so it's just it's still mind-blowing and i always like to remind people that you know this is early access it's only begun this isn't the finished product by by exactly. any means and that's why there's people like you that they're trying to to break the game and find ways to <laughs> fix it um, so for, you know, anybody listening who, you know, they're more of a gamer than working inside the, the technical field of, you know, the gaming industry. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit more what being a QA, you know, tester and support, you know, entails? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, 
I'm also around the community trying to, um, you know, collect feedback, collect uh, whatever could be helpful for um, devs and then the QA team, of course. Uh, basically, bug reports, uh, crashes, um, or anything, you know, just watching streamers and I try to interact with them too. Uh, just trying to find out what is not working, mainly breaking the game, <laughs> but also um, like user experience. So, uh, and then I bring that up to the team uh, and we're looking at it, uh, making tasks for uh, like everybody that would be involved in fixing the game. Uh, and then they, they work on it and whenever they're done with their task, they put in in the in a box like a review uh, box and then it's just a bunch of checklists that I have to go through and try to break and then uh, I make tasks for the QA people to just join in try to break the game uh, all together and uh, and yeah and and then every time there's a new feature we're also testing it trying to break it uh, in every possible and creative ways that we can possibly think of like uh, mag palming but like doing that close your chest and close your backpack uh doing that while uh, you're holding like a gun that that doesn't really have an advantage of being magpalm but you're like oh it, just in case they try with that gun or in that particular scenario or so yeah and uh also like crazy things like um dragging bodies in certain areas of the map because <laughs> at some point you couldn't drag bodies uh like use the body and drag um, drag them around in labs, so uh, it was like broken for some reason in labs. So we were just killing people in labs and trying to grab the bodies and <laughs> move them around in every rooms of, of lab. So uh, yeah, so 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 that's what we do basically. Uh, we try to to break the game and be creative about how we can break it. So, so you literally have to try to think of every possible scenario a player may may try to do something in every single area mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes like it's uh we can like put five people and then try to shoot them all in the head, see if every items drop correctly. Like every people just say everything they add in their backpack, they take screenshots of it put it back then we shoot everybody we open the backpack and we're like do you have that 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 and we you know count every items and yeah so um it's basically like it it sounds like playing the game i guess but like it's dissecting every single frame of the game and trying to find what could be broken and it's it's like a strange uh i don't want to say like scenario but like it's a strange thing to test in a setup that is not a live setup because it always seems to break more when you introduce it to uh, a lot of pe- a lot of people. So like uh, <laughs> we we test it like oh I think it's bug free and then we push in people start reporting bug like the second we push it out and we're like ah oh, we tested that it worked. No, uh, but yeah, it, it's always different when it, it's uh, a lot more players and with different setups and yeah. Yeah, that's part. And of I'd, I'd assume also it never ends because anytime there's an update, I'm sure you're still hacking at it. And then even when there's not an update, you still got to continue with it. So that that's a that's yeah. a tough grind. 
Well, and beyond that, you know, there's the whole QA team trying to break the game. But yeah. how how big is the Discord? How big are the Facebook groups? How big is the community no, the that Discord's plays this re- game? Ridiculous. It's not just the QA team goes in and tries to break the game. You know, there's a subset of players that either intentionally or unintentionally go in find and stuff, find yeah. stuff to break. So kind of on that, there's yeah. some, you know, there's a lot of channels of community in this game, whether like I referenced before, that's Discord which is huge. I see some very big Facebook groups as well. And occasionally I've seen people post like, Hey, I discovered a bug, but I don't want to post it in the group because otherwise, you know, then people are going to go, well, that's a great idea, you know? Um, So just to get it on record, you know, if, if somebody is playing the game and either intentionally trying to break the game or unintentionally, and they discover an exploit or a a bug or a glitch, what's the best channel or a method to, to get this word to the QA team? Yeah, so there's um, many ways, I would say, to reach out. Um, there's the, the, mud, mud, the mud team on Discord. If you, so if you're on Discord, they do a fantastic job of uh, collecting the data. And sometimes, you know, they, some of them are also part of the QA team. So they kind of know if we are already on it. So they, they can answer straight away. And there's more moderators than there's me. Like, there's only <laughs> one me. <laughs> so uh, it's easier if they go that way. Um or they can say, uh, let's let's reach out to support uh, at Combat Waffle. Um, and then they, they can send me uh, an email. Uh, so I can uh, I can look into it via email. Uh, many people DM me too on Discord. It's not my favorite way because like <laughs> right now I have over uh, uh, nearly near, near 100 DMs right now. And I, I looked at them yesterday. So... It's very hard to go through all of them. Um, Give you anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's whenever I open my Discord, and I'm like, oh no, and I, I turn <laughs> off my notification on my phone because otherwise my my watch is keep you know going beep beep, and I'm like, ah, I'm just trying to sleep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, so whenever I I go in front of my PC, I realize that I'm late on job because I have a bunch of DMs to uh, answer and emails to answer. So so if they can go the Discord way. And it moderators, then it really makes it easier. But they, they can send me a, a DM or an email, and I will try to get through it uh, as fast as possible. I I give those mods and the the Discord a tremendous amount of credit because I will I'll yeah. just like the general chat, which is probably the <laughs> the most popping. <laughs> oh my god, dude! One time I went in there, I said like one thing, and then it was a slow conversation, but I. It's buried. I could it's not gone. within yeah. seconds. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. So we huge you know, community in Discord. So when you it is, yeah. got started on this, were you expecting this kind of you know sudden exponential growth, or has this completely blown you away and you know almost weren't even prepared for this kind of huge community? Yeah. So since I've been around VR since a long time, before the game launch, I was uh, talking to Scott, and then I was telling him what to expect and what not to expect. And I would say that such a big uh, amount of players joining in was in the not to expect section of it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, and it definitely happened. So uh, it's something that I was not expecting because we're mainly visible on Steam. And Steam usually, the PC VR uh, community usually don't really buy games unless it's on sale like it it, it takes time before it it really 
you know, catch, I would say like, yeah, before it, it catch fire, you know, and people just jump on it. So, um, it was a surprise to see both the Steam and the Quest version do well uh, right away. Uh, it's not something I was expecting, especially with App Lab, which is very, very hard to get discovered on. Uh, if you go on App Lab and then you try to look uh, on the VR database and then you try to look at the ratings, most games are not even rated uh, on App Lab. You know, they, they got zero rating or one rating. Um, so it... it that is something that Meadow really should do better, in my opinion. Um, and uh, but but we're the lucky ones, so we can't complain about it. If I'm looking at the others, I wish uh, there was a way for them to be discovered. I mean, I w- I will throw the caveat in. I mean, I put some of the the responsibility on the for, for being discovered on App Lab. It's that self marketing that yep. you know if it if a team isn't doing or trying to get the word out, um, you know, it, it happens. We've seen yeah. and spoken to a lot of App Lab devs who recognize that, and they did do their best to get the word out and, you know, start a community, start a Discord. But when you don't and you don't have ratings, I kind of understand why. Well, I think I even saw yeah. this this year for official store and App Lab, there's only been two games that have broken a 1,000 reviews that have released this year, and one of those is is Ghost of Tabor that's talking on the, the MetaQuest store. Uh, so this yeah. is like Meta's dream app. It's a game that doesn't need, you know, Meta's well, marketing it, to succeed. Combat Waffle has proved you can do it. Well, here's the if, thing. If you're willing to have a team that, you know, I mean, there is a passion that everyone seems at Combat <laughs> Waffle that they have. I mean, we've talked to Scott twice, and there's no doubt his passion is 100% real. And I think he's done a good job of putting together a team that's just, gangsters at what they do well the reality is and i'm a huge vr industry supporter you know we review games talk vr news interview devs weekly yep. on rough talk vr you know we love the vr industry but the reality is why is ghost of tabor so successful it's because a ghost of tabor didn't exist before you know there's not a mm-hmm. thousand other of these loot survival uh no, super <laughs> shooters and the sad reality is sometimes a lot of People are scared to take chances. That's why we, there's a, a million Gorilla Tag clones on on SideQuest and a thousand rhythm games involving swinging your arms because it works once and then everybody goes, let's do that. You know, so probably we'll start to see some Ghost of Tabor clones, but they'll never be the yep. original. You know, I often talk about, let's see, Civilization VR and people crucify for that me for that because they're like, it's not utilizing the full scope of VR. And we talk a lot about wanting to see board games in VR. And same things, people go, oh, that's not immersed enough, even though Catan works great and Demio works great. And the only yeah. reason they don't exist is because there's not people that have done and made it successful yet. But as soon as one person does it, then there will be a thousand others. And, and that's the reason Ghost of Tabor is successful is because they didn't just do the same formula that they know works in other games. They went and they did something that doesn't exist yet. And that's so important for developers to do. Well, and filled a niche that doesn't exist people want you know i mean yeah if you had told me years ago like hey this is the game that's going to come out i would have been super excited even if it took two years before we could play it and i'm not here to bs anybody i'm just like you i never played tarkov i never played this style of game flat screen it's not like i was a tarkov maniac that's now going over to the board 
but I've never, so I've never even experienced something like this. It's like, hell yeah. And to have it in VR, I'm sold, you know, I'm, I'm in, but if there was a thousand other, other of these previously, would it have made the same impactful wave? No, but they, they did something unique. They took the chance and look at, look at the results, you know, on app web. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think like beyond being unique, there, there's a lot of factors that made those of the board successful. And there's a lot of factors that will make our future games successful in my opinion. And, uh, and one thing that goes up to bar did great is um pre-launch uh marketing i would say uh we we've let uh, smaller content creators in we've let them c- create content and uh it wasn't about the size of your channel necessarily it was just about the passion you had for our game so we we've uh got a bunch of passionate people to join us on our journey and basically build a game with us and i think um, then they show back respect and love for a game. And um, there's that. And then there's also trying to, uh, um, everywhere I've been before, it was all about um, keeping things behind closed door, you know, and Ghost of the War is really transparent about what we're doing, uh, where we fail, where we succeed. And uh, we're not ashamed to have bugs or things like that. It exists and we acknowledge it uh, when we talk to our players, you know, so I think they, they kind of respect the transparency and to say that we're working on it will take more time than we, we thought and things like that. Uh, we're trying to really be human to human with them and not, you know, a, uh, just a basically pre-written sentence that we paste over and over. You know, that's not what we do. And um, and yeah, building a community before you launch the game is really important. I see uh, VR games launching with not even a Twitter account. Um or like you see the game launching and they have like a hundred followers and you're like, Oh, there's maximum a hundred person that know your game exists right now and want it. It's not something that you should do launching a game right now. Um, uh, I believe that if there's no interest in your game right now, you should delay it until there is, uh, I know that there's some final financial reason why you would want to launch a game right now. Cause, uh, you, you kind of, have a date and uh, that's when you need to launch. Um, but yeah, there, there's a bunch of factors that made Ghost of the War successful. And there's a bunch of areas that are not explored yet in VR. Uh, you're talking about civilization. That is one area that really fits VR. Uh, people, uh, especially at, like on socials, when you, you go there, they're, they're like, uh, that doesn't work for VR. Well, it, it works for VR. Everything works for VR. You know, uh, cleaning your desk work in VR if that's what you want to do in VR, you know, whatever you want to do in VR, you can do it in VR too. It's not because it's not done that it's impossible because um, a loot shooter is also impossible in VR if you go back one year because it doesn't exist. And like uh, Beat Saber is impossible in VR if you go back to 2015 because it was, what, it was not there yet. So uh, I just think there's a bunch of areas that are, not explored yet and should be explored and won't be explored until someone really say, Hey, I'm going to do it because no one else will do it. If, if I don't do it, uh, if you're looking like there's a, a game that came out, uh, I think it's called, uh, what like terraforming Mars or something like that. Um, that is about building a city on Mars, which is kind of like civilization would be, 
I guess, and the game really works because you look left, you look right, and you're in the game. Uh, it's just Peraspera, I think it was. Yeah. Peraspera. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the one, yeah. Yeah, so like it works, and then you, you can add a bunch of things, you know, some RTS game where you could be uh, a kind of a power up where you're the god and you just start smashing things around or you throwing meteorites to uh, the ground, you know, there's a bunch of things that could work in VR. You know, you could see the sun and then you can grab it and shift it and then it's night you know and things like that there's a, a lot you can do in vr and you're physically there and even if you're not interacting directly with the world in front of you you're still there you know uh i remember a, a game called black and white back in the days where you were not in the game you were watching over but you you know the people knew you were there you were the kind of god of them so uh you were you were a god to them and then in VR, you can be that person too, you know, up there in the sky and you cannot interact directly with the world, but indirectly. And I think it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the VR community really should learn that VR is about everything and not about specifics that are already there on the store. And then VR would be a better place to be. Absolutely. And when we talk with Scott about future projects, I know you, you know, Strass over here joked, oh, I want Rust in VR. And he's like, yeah, well, like, who wouldn't? And then he goes, we're actually working on that. And it's like, yeah, if you ask anybody, yeah. they're going to go, Rust in VR would be great, but I don't think it can be done. Whereas Combat Waffle Studios goes, why not? Let's let's <laughs> do it. Coffee. Yeah. 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 So thank you for, for confirming my my beliefs. You know, I think those top down simple management great games work I, great. I think it's, it's the minority yeah. voice that screams like, you mm-hmm. know, exactly. that wouldn't work in VR. But sometimes the minority voice is the loudest. Well, sometimes Where everyone might... else is like, just if you make it, I, you know, if you make it and it's, it's done well, they will come. Unfortunately, sometimes that minority voice is the ones with financial backing or gatekeeping. Oh no, some I get things it. Too, I get unfortunately. It. Yeah. Um, but that's why I love combat waffle studios. They go where the, the path hasn't been done yet. And it's exactly <laughs> what you said. If you sold beat saber to somebody conceptually before it'd been done, they'd say no. Same with ghost of DeBoer. Scott went and pitched it you know, to do Tarkov and VR and they said, can't be done 11 mil, whatever five then, million, some yeah. stupid amount yeah. of money. People love five to years. say no. People, it's way easier to say no, something can't be done than, it, well, than well, it is to, well, let's be honest though. There, there is risk involved. Even if you have a good product is no mm-hmm. sure thing. It's, it's, you know, and again, we could say yep. like, I could see combat waffle going into the whole marketing aspect for VR companies because they did it well. I mean, who the hell is or a pre-launch for a, a, a game in early access, mm-hmm. you know, that's crazy. We're just publishing but in worked. general, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Something that we've glossed over with you that I think is a huge aspect of, of your role is, you know, you said you got started with VR in 2015. You mentioned, you know, based off your previous experience working with VR games, you know, you wouldn't recommend this. So you're not somebody that this is your, your first role in the professional side of VR. So do you want to tell, Talk a little bit about, you know, your background in the industry of VR before Combat Waffle Studios and Ghost of Tabor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, before Ghost of Tabor, I was actually working as a director of art department and uh, automation for a company doing uh, NHL jerseys, basically. Uh, we So uh, it was a very different industry. So, but that was my day-to-day job where I, I had my financial security, I would say. But at night, I was uh, working on totally different projects. Uh, at my, my nights were all about VR, so I, I was like doing my my uh, 
was eight to five job. Uh, and, and then when I signed off of that job, I was cooking dinner, eating with family. And then I was like, okay, on to my next job. And I, I was going helping VR studios all night. So, uh, and I, I was always refusing to take a, a paycheck or anything for, from other PR studios because I was like, I wanted to stay a passion. I, I, I had that belief that as soon as you, it became a job, you would lose that passion. Cause I, I saw devs, you know, uh, mainly on Twitter and discord, you know, just saying, I don't play VR anymore because I, I work in VR all day. And I was like, Oh, that looks like a very boring future for VR. If our devs don't even play VR and don't care about VR, they just care about putting their product out there. And, um, I did not want that to happen to me. So I was just, uh, helping out for free. And, um, most of the project that I worked were under NDA. So I'm not sure when the A and NDA actually breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say much, but I've, uh, tested um after the fall um there's unplugged vr that i work with uh to find their publisher and things like that um there's a green l vr that i worked on uh helping them out with feedback and uh building the game on quest and then on pc vr because it was two different uh teams there um so yeah uh, a bunch of game uh over the years some that i've launched on app labs and on the official store uh, mainly as providing feedback, uh, building contacts for all of them to uh, reach out, find uh, information about you know a specific plugin that they were trying to integrate or something. I was working in Unity uh, to uh, build my own prototype, just to show devs sometimes that something could work in VR. You know, sometimes they're like, no, like basically that that's been done that way since two years, so that's the way we have to go. And I was like maybe not you know it's intuitive it's not intuitive and like it just breaks the experience for everyone so maybe we could go that route and then i was trying to build it and show them and sometimes it was like yeah that's a good idea and then they would go that path and sometimes um they were right and the the, the way that we were doing it since two years was still the best way that we know so they, they were still going that route um but yeah i believe um vr still has a lot to learn uh in the user experience side of things. So yeah, but I've been around VR doing uh, pretty much uh, helping out devs to really uh, reach their full potential, I guess. On well, every game you mentioned happened to be some, <laughs> yeah, some great really ones. Freaking good games. Some so of our favorites. You absolutely. have a knack for finding the good ones to work on for sure. Uh, whether it's a coincidence or there is mm. a correlation, whatever the, the result, you know, some of those games won even awards on the show, like, you know, Green yeah. Hell VR won our best port of the year last year. Unplugged VR is one of the best examples of hand, hand tracking, tracking yeah. I've seen after the uh -huh. fall. People still play that with, yeah. you know, it's not a game that has a, so many maps and it still has an insane amount of, of people going to a daily. So, yeah, absolutely. All all great games. And, and yeah. how, how did you discover VR? Like, what was your first VR experience? That's always something I, I love hearing. Yeah, I was extremely bored with flat gaming. Um, I don't like sitting on a chair, you know, and just watching a TV and barely interacting with it. And uh, I remember I uh, I was playing on PS1, PS2, and then PS3, and uh, I had fun with it, but I was uh, mainly outside playing hockey, soccer, and a bunch of sports. Um, 
And, uh, and then at some point, you know, I, I, I had friends that were starting to do the speed runs and things like that. So I was like, ah, I think I might do that. And then, uh, MMORPG starting to be popular. So I was like, ah, I might try to do that too. And I was always very bored with it. Um, and then the PS4 came out and I bought it day one and it's sitting in a box under, <laughs> oh, it was a PS3. Yeah. It was sitting in its box, you know, and I opened it like three or four weeks after it was just sitting there <laughs> in a corner. Uh, I installed it, I put it together and then I was like, I played, uh, it was called Playable Trailer PT, which was a kind of a small mm-hmm. horror demo silent hill uh, i believe it was uh yeah. a spinoff one that was that was insane one of the the scariest little game experiences i've ever yeah. seen yeah and i was playing it uh, in daylight so I, I just like closed the curtains and kept playing i was <laughs> like oh, i still you know too uh not not immersive enough i would say so i would wait until night to play it so it, <laughs> it's really more immersive you know and then i would wait until night and i would sit closer to the tv just to be really immersed and not have distractions on going on and then I, I was like, yeah, I, I prefer doing it in real life than in the game, I guess. But there's no horror experience like that in real life, I guess. <laughs> so um, I was mainly keeping my console to try experiences that you will not be able to experience in real life, like No Man's Sky and things like that. But I couldn't play for more than an hour and then be very bored with it. So uh, I stopped playing at some point during... Uh, I had the PS4, did the same thing, it sit in the box for a while before I installed it, and then I finally installed it. And, um, and then it was 2015, someone said, hey, there's a new thing that exists, and it's called VR, and it's like gaming, but like if you're sitting right in front of your TV. I was like, ah, it sounds okay. <laughs> and then uh, and then they said, there's a demo in a town, do you want to go and then we'll try it? Like, yeah, sure. So we, we, did, we made a, a little road trip of 30 minutes to get to uh, Montreal and there was a demo over there. So uh, we went there and uh, I tried VR and I was like, oh shit, I, I just found something. <laughs> and uh, and then we were coming back in the car and I was like, I have like memories of me being in the game, not playing the game, but like being in the game. Like it's, it's like it happened to me. And then at night I was, uh, I was sleeping and then I woke up in the morning and I was like, I have dreams of me in the game, you know, doing things I did in the game. And it was just weird to me. And I was like, I I need to try it again. And then I I went back to the same place and, uh, and, and basically they they said, well, the the demo's not here anymore. And I was like, I need to play it again. So where is it? (laughs) And, uh, and um, they said, well, there's a VR arcade that will open uh, soon. So you might want to wait for that. So I was like, okay, I'll wait. And then, uh, there was a the arcade uh, that opened in Montreal, and uh, I went there, played again, and it was fun again. <laughs> so uh, uh, I just started to go way too often, I would say. <laughs> and uh, it was like a, a, a 30, 45 minutes drive. And then in Montreal, there, there's basically no parking, so you have to pay for a parking. So I was paying for a parking. I was walking to that place. I was paying for a, a room and then playing it. And at some points I was like, I need one at home. And um, so I started looking for it, but you need like cable and then uh, 
ceiling cable management and then you need a bunch of trackers in your room to be really tracking it and i honestly ate all of that i think that's uh holding vr back so uh i was uh not a fan of that and sorry for all the pc vr people listening right now the purists that <laughs> that want the cable uh cables are not good and they will never be uh and uh so um i just waited until the oculus go came out and uh started playing with that and i was like that is not it but it's closer from being it and i was like if they can do uh, what pcvr can do on a mobile headset and i don't even care about the graphics because the best game at the time were super hot and Beat Saber. And both of them are not known for being extremely pretty uh, and realistic. <laughs> so uh, I was like, you don't need a pretty game. You just need a game that is fun and create emotions. So uh, so yeah, that's how I got into VR. And then from there, um, when the Go came out, I was like, there's not many games. And there's a, probably a reason why... Uh, there's no mini game. It must be very hard to make. And then I started to try to make my own games, and I, I realized that uh, there was no there was a, for, a forum at back at the time that was trying to get people to help each other and things. But on the forum, it's not live. You know, it's not you. You post something, and then you'll go back to it uh, the next day or two days later uh, to see if someone answered to you. But you just last one or two days. Uh, which is not good when you're trying to make a game. Uh, you don't want to lose games every time you face a challenge. Uh, days, sorry, every time you, you face a challenge. So I created a Discord where people would get together and then devs would help each other uh, and they would be in uh, private channels together and then the community would be another channel. So the community would be used as QA testers and then the devs would be together trying to build their game and have instant reaction with devs. Um, and uh, yeah, from there we built a bigger community of devs, uh, and games would start to come uh, faster on Oculus Go. And uh, and then the quest came out, and I was like, yeah, that's the that's the thing, that's the that's the next big thing. And forget about PCVR; it's all quests. You know, it needs to be easy. PCVR is really great. I still play PCVR every few days. Uh, I love it. Uh, but I think for consumers to really hit something you need something that is easy uh pick up and play you know uh i know that people say pcvr is easy once you set it up but you have to set it up first which is not easy and then you have to keep it there <laughs> so like you have to have a dedicated room because you don't want a bunch of cables you know on your ceiling and cameras everywhere in your in your living room that that just look extremely weird and uh and and it's ugly. Uh, so I think, um, yeah, Quest is where it needs to start. And I think the numbers speaks for themselves too. So, yeah. yeah I mean, we, we've been watching VR since, geez, the, you know, the Oculus Kickstarters, but I never had a PC yeah. VR ready computer. And then the thought of, well, I'm going to invest all that much in the computer, which will be out of date in two or three years. And then I also need to get, the headset too it was always enough of a boundary to stop from entering as a player into the the vr market but i always watched it and i saw the quest one drop and i almost got it 
Mm-hmm. I went over to uh, to my sister's house. I tried the Quest One, and the Quest Two was just coming out by then. And so, boom, we were. I I went home. I was like, Dad, you got to like just. He didn't even try it. I yet. didn't even try it. I just bought it. Yep, instantly because standalone VR. It's exactly what you said. You know, unfortunately, I know. Like you said, this isn't what the PC or VR crowd is going to hear or want to hear, but I agree entirely. Like wires and and hardware requirements with the computer, stuff like that is going to keep the industry a much more niche number. Whereas to be able to just grab a hardware, put it on your head, and it that's it. You just yeah. press the power button and it's good. That's an, a game changer. And even for developers, you know, sometimes we talk with them on, on Rough Talk VR and they'll say, hey, it's much easier designing for the Quest 2. Of course, there's limitations, but you don't have the variables of everybody's different hardware, all the different headsets, which can sometimes be a QA nightmare. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm right with you. You know, I always watched VR, but it took good standalone to get me into it, and I don't think we're the minority. I actually think that's the majority well, of gamers. The, to me, it was just the finance. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't want to spend $4,000 to have you know, good VR. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the, the price of the, the, the quest two is the, mm-hmm. to me, the biggest driving factor. I mean, the technology will get better and better and better, but well, and not everybody lives in a house or a spot that they own. Some people rent and there's agreements. You can't drill stuff in the wall and to start to hang up pulley systems and, and, you know, light track, it's too, too much, you know, and limitations of space, you know, you're going to put that stuff in your living room. It, you know, it's 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 too much to keep it from going mainstream. Whereas a Quest Two, you know, soon Quest Three, boom on your head, oh, yeah. good good to go. So, you know, that's a that's a great story, and I think that speaks to you know the the team that's over at Combat Waffle Studios. It's one of those all star teams that everybody comes with passion and from a background that just involves loving VR. So, well, and, and one could have easily have thought at the beginning that, you know, okay, this is what he does and it's somewhat one dimensional, but you listen to that story and it's like dev experience, community experience, game testing experience, being, you know, having the, the self-knowledge to know like what a success is and what a success wouldn't be marketing experience. Mm-hmm. This is one individual, yep. you know? So it's like, I can't imagine this whole team together, what they all really bring to the table. But the sad truth yeah. about sometimes in these industries is if you don't have the college background in it or the prior industry experience and flat screen, a lot of places won't take the chance with you, even if you are part of the community in a, a positive way in that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Scott and the Combat Waffle Studios team, beyond yourself, a lot of the people involved with it, even us doing this podcast, it's like, hey, you have the passion, you love it, you have the work ethic, let's go, here's the opportunity and the results will speak for themselves. So I think that's uh, another aspect oh, of why this game is so good. I think Scott has a knack for finding and recognizing talent. Yeah. And and through, yeah. you know, past life experience, I'll mm-hmm. say, prior to combat, it's like, well, and you're able to apply that. I, it's just weird. Guy comes out of nowhere. And he's <laughs> just Most popular game in VR. Waste in VR. It's freaking amazing. Yeah. But it's it's something that I think other other teams should be looking at closely and going, you know, what have they done? You know, I'm not going to say anybody can make a game, but you can put a team together and make a game. Mm-hmm. But but how is how has this team been able to make a game, release an early access, and still crush it out there? 
because it's full of passionate people. They've yeah. taken chances on them and they're all delivering and it's it the the product and the results speak for themselves. Um so I love that story. Great background and and kind of back to to Ghost of Tabor the other week, the much anticipated, much the hyped, wiped. the wiped came. <laughs> You know, new With bunker. The changes, yeah. Yeah, new bunker. And there's been a couple updates since. We got mag palming. It's it's just fun to do in the bunker just for fun and ha ha's. And it's coming. great. Weight's coming. <laughs> Some graphical changes on the quest. I noticed the water is kind of a different, I don't know if color or tin or I shade. Think I, I swear it was an improvement to the overall to me, graphics. To me, the game. graphics look better, but the stability is, is way better. Mm hmm. I notice when you load in onto the island now it says day, which means to me night mode coming. I know Scott teased that, but now it looks like it's in the code or at least ready to go live. Um, yeah. So I see some people online, you know, they'll comment, even though you do a great job posting. Here's the patch notes. Here's here's what changed. No, the announcements are no joke. There's no. Yeah. When you were talking transparency, it's it's legit. If there's a delay on something, it's like, hey, we're delaying. This is why. Mm -hmm. We're not even going to commit to telling you like the exact day that it is going to come. It'll be back up as soon as we can. We're doing our best. Um, but if anybody needs info of of what came, you know, go to the Discord, check the announcements, the update channel. You know, you're, you'll get fully tuned in. But for anybody listening, you know, on a, a nice drive to work or, or as background music, doing dishes, whatever, uh, do you want to go over a bit what changes and new stuff actually came in this wipe? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I might just pull the notes just to make sure. Even this last update, it's no joke. I yeah. was trying to see how many I could remember yeah. off the top of my head, and there's no freaking way. Mm -hmm. It's I not think, like, I don't hey, think quality of life. No, and I don't think I've crashed once since the wipe. No. Whereas, not saying that happened a bunch before, but it, it, it did happened. exist, yeah. It's yeah. no secret. Now, there's no frame rate drops when I load into the bunker or the map. You know, it's like, it's instantly smooth. That The wipe was good. Yeah, we did try to improve it, of course. Uh, the, I would say the thing that people need to understand, you don't want to use it as an excuse or anything, is that it is early access and it is barely over a year old. Uh, so there's still a lot of core features that we're introducing. And whenever we introduce new core features, uh, it also means that it may impact the overall gameplay. Um, and we need to to put those features in before going through a polish and like just polish the game and make sure it's bug free or at least as close as we can. Um, so yeah, we, we, we did introduce a lot of things. So of course there will be uh, issues coming with that, but we think uh, overall what we brought was better than the, what, what it broke, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so like Mike Balmy, of course it, it brings, potential issues you know we we did try to break everything we could but it, it breaks more than we can think of and we, we did try with every single gun but then we found out that in certain conditions with certain mags it would create physics issues and things like that so um there, there's always hiccups to uh, a new patch that introduced uh, as many features but yeah we did add uh, mag bombing which i think is a huge game changer um whenever you're in a fight you don't want to grab your mag and just throw it away and grab a new one because you might want to reuse that mag maybe it's not empty but you just need to reload it real quick because uh you don't want to run out of ammo in a firefight so now being able to just grab your mag switch put back in your vest and keep shooting 
really helps. And then uh, I think my personal favorite feature after mag bombing would be the airdrops on island. Um, I've only noticed it. Uh, um, it's hard to remember when I played live and when I played on the testing, uh, but I think I've only faced it twice on the live build so far. Um, but both times were very epic battles where you would see, you know, the, the, the airplane coming, people would, you know, start moving toward where they think it would drop or at least in a line, you know, with the airplane. So then you just line up and you, you try to see uh, everyone, you know, just going in the line and then you start shooting at them. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then you see the airdrops and then everyone gather toward where that will drop. Some people do stay a bit further, but they have an angle on it. So as soon as you're moving, you're just watching every potential angle where someone would snipe you from. Uh, it changes the game uh, entirely. And when it drops on the ground, you know, that little sound it makes when it hits the ground and then you see the red smoke coming out. Um, it really changes the fights on island and from what I've seen makes people stay on island a bit longer to try to experience that. Cause that was an issue. People would go on island and just run toward the exfil, trying to grab a few things on their way. Um, cause it's a much more, uh, I don't want to say flat, but like it's one level map. Even if you go up a hill, I mean, it's not like floors, like a silo. So you don't have to go to, you know, uh, CQB fights. So, uh, Island was used for uh, just going in and going out, basically. Um, so I think it, it really adds something to that. Uh, there's player experience that we added. Uh, right now, player experience is really just a hand screen that looks cool and that number that you can brag about and say, your friend, uh, I, I, I'm level 10, you're level 2, so you're bad at the game. <laughs> so uh, it's just something cool that you can uh, use to brag about. Um, but it, will, it, it was something that we had to introduce to the game because it's, it's linked to so many other features that are coming that we had to set the foundation for that. Um, and people were like, why why you even show that to us if you're not using it? Well, you, you can just not look at it if you don't want to see it. But many players like to see the XP that they gain from killing a player or um, the XP that they, they gain from looting and things like that and just say, hey, I'm a better looter than you because I got that amount of XP and compare with your friends that you were in a raid with and say, hey, I met that amount of XP. How much did you make? You know, it's it's uh, bragging rights, basically. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's I, I think it's a cool feature. Um, we did remove the ability to grab guns from other players, uh, which was cool. Uh, but it came with some issues uh, over the network and things like that. So uh, we had to temporarily remove it. Uh, we hope to bring it back because uh, there's some uh, people that make very cool videos, you know, stealing someone's weapon and shooting them. So uh, I can't wait for that to be back. Um, the purple cards are back to uh, to what they, they were before, what they should be. So it's the the vault rooms, uh, rooms with eye loot in, uh, that, that's what the purple cards are for. And we introduced the orange card with their, uh, real purpose, which is, uh, unlocking the extract point in, uh, a specific location of an island of Tabor. 
Uh, so it's a cool place that you can just basically loop the labs. That's a hint of where it is. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it exfil real quick without having the danger of crossing the entire map to extract with your good loop that you just found. And of course, the save files change. Um, so yeah, I would say like the major changes would be uh, mag bombing, airdrops, and um, the safe house that is entirely redesigned with the power generator, water filter uh, that now have a use case because uh, before that you would grab the water filter and just sell it because it meant nothing. But now you can refill your water bottles and they, they might even be harder to find at some point in raid because now you can keep them, refill them and bring them back into raid, which will... Uh, change the entire dynamic of how you deal with water so um yeah and of course bug fixing and things like that uh and then the the latest app fix that we brought we also wanted players to enjoy some new features like um boosting the resolution of scopes on pc because you know they have a pc that is capable of doing that and it's not fun when you're looking through a scope and you, you, you see blurry but everywhere around is not blurry so it makes sense to give them a higher resolution scope uh and of course um the um, uh desert eagle that we introduced a new scope we introduced an uh, left-handed angle grip so you can switch the angle of the grip if you're left-handed which uh helps them because they used to like go shooting uh like cross arm because the <laughs> The, the angle grip was for the right-handed people, so now they can switch it and play uh, in a more comfortable angle, I would say. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that covers a, a bunch of things that we just introduced to the game. Nice. So we'll go a little bit into the bunker. The new bunker is sick, but you referenced refilling water. So I got to ask, how does one refill water and gas? Yeah, so for the water, you um, you basically find a water filter that will have a um, a kind of um, durability to it, uh, so you can see the meter on the side, uh, and then you install it in your kitchen. You, you go in the kitchen area and you install it between two pipes. There's um, an icon there, so you just place it there, and then you um, you would use the sink next to it to uh, refill your water, uh, and you know, don't forget it open, you know, just running. Uh, if you, if you, you turn it on and then you just leave, it would keep going. So you will lose uh, all your durability for, from your water filter. So um, make sure you just fill the bottle, close it, and then don't <laughs> use it if you don't need to. Uh, same for uh, the power generator. So if you bring gas in there, uh, pour gas in, turn it on, and if you don't use your bunker anymore, you're lugging off uh, for the day, turn it off turn it off because you don't want it on uh, while you're not playing the game because it will keep uh, using gasoline. Yeah, it will be linked uh, to features in the future that you might want to use uh, your power generator, keep it on while you're not playing the game because it will maintain some things that might need power in your bunker while you're not in the game. So um, it will be cool things. Uh, and don't forget to come back to put more gas in 
before it runs out if you have uh, things that requires it to be on. So, uh, yeah, people will have to return to the game if they want to keep it running. And um, to find gas, you, you can go buy it from the market or in-game. It's, uh, um, it's a rare loot, and it spawns an area where big loot can spawn, like ailments and things like that. So uh, you, you have to find those areas where um, you believe rare loot is spawning. And it fits in a backpack, but you might have to throw pretty much everything that is in your backpack to fit it in your backpack. So, um, yeah, it's about uh, deciding if it's worth the space that it will take. You know, if it's worth the, the, the risk to uh, just drop all your loot just to bring that back home. Or you can carry it in your hand if you're using a pistol in the other end or something. And So, uh, yeah. No, I, I think I know what the why you'd want to keep something running, even if you're not playing. I won't say what it is, because I'm pretty sure I, I know what that, that I have, would be. I have a guess that it'll be uh, just based off of our first episode with Scott. I think he teased plants growing. Well, you, you've got the grow room right so there. So it's got to be the so, it's got to be the plants. It's got to be the plants. It would be even crazier is if you could set the, the light timer for the plants on the light oh, schedule. Oh, like 12 and 12? 12 and 12 or 20 on, 4 off. Yeah. Oh. Um, Wicked excited for the Desert Eagle. I personally think that's a great. I mean, you're throwing a 50 cal bullet out of that thing. I think you don't, you would, you don't have much of a chance with a. I think you would even ask Scott about it if you had ever shot one. Or I don't remember. I don't know if you asked if it would be I in the game. No, no, no. I asked. I didn't ask if it would be in the game. I asked if you ever shot one, which of course. Yeah, he said yes. He said it's a hand wrecker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a 50 cal. That it's thing's going to be weapon. so loud in the game. Uh huh. You're going to hear when. And the airdrops. We will admit we got to see an air it just by coincidence it dropped right next to the, the house we were in. I and will then, I will neither confirm nor deny if we you know and then a guy or two going after it. No, nah, there was like four four humans. <laughs> and Picked two them of them two of them had yeah. an amazing loadout. Mm-hmm. I mean like phenomenal. I uh, <laughs> we killed them, we grabbed their stuff for like two Ow, ow, actually, yeah, <laughs> we're leaving. We're done. This is a wash, but yeah. So, I we were guilty of the because we were looking out the window and we saw two go running, and then we we picked one of them and hunted the other. And then while we were looting behind the airdrop, <laughs> all the stuff they had because it didn't expect them to be that packed out. And then two more people tried to flank us on each side of them and they yeah. got killed. They got the old rat a tat tat. I think I ran out even carrying a full backpack in one hand <laughs> on that one, yeah. And I'm all about the stats. I won't lie. It, it feels good when you, to know, to know, you know, I even I'm level, it. whatever. It doesn't, you know, it feels good. I want to know experience goes up. And yeah. Yeah. I even love what Scott talked about on our first episode of potential bunker levels itself beyond just the player, but leveling up your whole bunker. That's. Oh yeah. Lights. Oh my. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, Hey, yeah. even now you turn on your generator, boom, you notice the difference visually. And to know that that's going to mm-hmm. have a, a gameplay effect too is, is there's huge. so many things coming it's it's re- i think we first time we talked to him it sounded like a five-year plan of mm-hmm. of content and fixing it just this is gonna i don't know this is one for the bucks and the new bunker is sick with you know you were talking about the the generator the new water the money room the money room you know <laughs> you room, get to see yeah. your the pile money of money uh, for people that had dlc instead of everything being in the computer it was automatically placed on the wall you know, which freaked me out after the wipe. I went in there and went to the 
mm-hmm. the trade room and he's like, yeah. um, everything's out of the computer. Where's all my shit? I'm like, I did my stuff's not, yeah. On the wall, your armory in there. And now the yeah. armory has three or kind of like a main room and then two side ones. Same with the supply room. You know, we had Joe, we had reference to the grow room. There's so much in that Hello. new bunker. It's, I love it. I don't think I've seen the new, I don't think I've seen a grow room in the new bunker. No, but we know it's going to be there. Uh, yeah, it's not open yet. Okay. It, yeah. It's, we're working on it. So when there's some rooms that before opening them, we want to make sure uh, there's a reason why it's open, like uh, the grow room or uh, the radio. So since it's just like, if there's no features in there, it's just visually looking at models that may even change soon. So <laughs> like, we, we don't know if that's the final form of it because we're working on it. So, but um, they are being worked on and uh, we're very excited to introduce them to uh, our players whenever it's ready because we, we don't just do that for um, being pretty and adding an activity to uh, the game, you know, growing plants and things like that. There will be a purpose to it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think when whenever we reach that place where the, the bunker is uh, final in its feature, I would say, and, you know, connecting the player levels to it and, uh, you know, every aspect of it, um, people will realize why we've built that and uh, follow, you know, those steps to get there, um, starting with the player level and then, you know, adding that room and that room and that room. And I think people will see the dots connect and be like, yeah, that that's why it was made that way. And it makes sense now. So, yeah, I'm excited that- for them too. I got complete faith <laughs> in the combat waffle team with what they're doing. I have no problem with that door staying closed until it needs to open. Mm-hmm. But every time there's a change, it's just, it's always for the better. I've never seen, granted there's been updates and then because of the updates, other things happen, but there's still been improvements. So I always say the improvements will always outweigh the. And I know we've already said it, but I can't stress it enough. It's a, not a finished product it's still early it's access it's ridiculous it might feel like a finished product because it's the only game you play now and it's so much fun and everything <laughs> but it's still early access you know it's less time than most games take to to develop in total you know it's like you, you would reference you know two years three mm-hmm. years is what we hear from developers a lot two years on an aggressive studio and this is just over a year and yeah. people are playing it so of course there's going to be bugs as you add new features there's going to be new bugs you try to fix one there's going to be a new one just enjoy the ride it's only going to get better as the oh i, I always joke that on. we're going to be there'll be a time where people long for the early days of ghost of Tabor, like mm-hmm. the in a year the original first you know test model even if it's got bugs and whatever people are going to want to play it i say we're th- three to six months away from people posting og bunker and throwing you know posting flashback <laughs> photos people being like whoa what's that you know you yeah. had to be there and somebody goes oh i want that back or something it's it's gonna happen that's how it happens in every game um yeah i think it happens a bit with um the reward uh the wipe reward so some people that were there, you know, early on got the uh, golden AK alpha, uh, the golden AKM, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> so like the, those OG people, whenever they bring that in game and, you know, if someone killed them, they're like, oh, I found a game that uh, I found a gun that is not in the game. And then they send me pictures and they're like, look what I found. I'm like, oh, you're lucky. They're like, yeah, but it's a bug. It's not supposed to be in the game. I'm like, no, it, it is in the game. You know, people who played it early have that gun. 
And you're like, oh, cool. Like, can I keep it? You're sure you can keep it. If you kill the person that, that got the gun, it's not yours. <laughs> so, yeah, the, it, I think it's already happening. You know, people that um, not only have memories of the old days of Coast of Tabar, but also carry uh, kind of a, a gift from those days. Uh, that is the wipe reward. So I, I think, you know, it's just proof that you were there. And uh, you may or may not want to bring it in raid to prove your point <laughs> but uh yeah it, it's there in your bunker that's why I there is it. no way my gold ak leaves my wall that's I'm not just where it my stays giant. i keep it away from everything so there's no accidental because i'll admit yeah. with the lights dimmed it's you know you could you might mistakenly grab it but it'll you will never kill me in game and find any of my reward shit i'll never go in with a giant spoon I was going to say, I'm never even bringing that in. Well, because here's the thing. If I knew for sure, if I died, somebody was going to walk away with it, mm -hmm. I would bring it. But there's no guarantee somebody's even going to loot it. And that server ends. That means that limited edition item, that limited time, that there's a finite number. There's no guarantee it's even going to somebody. It might just disappear into the ethos. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're <laughs> bonkers for bringing that. I like Again, Dude, if, there's so many videos of people doing it though they'll go into a raid with a gold AK I'm like they're crazy if I knew yeah. for sure guaranteed somebody was going to loot it you know I, just, just to keep the cycle going I might do it but the Ugh. fact that it could disappear no. did nothing no absolutely not that's staying on my walls exactly what you said giant spoon not touching it yeah. yep. that's for decoration I don't care know. if it shoots lasers it's not moving mm -hmm. from my wall so uh you know, we've we've definitely had you for a, a good conversation already, but I got a couple questions I, I, I can't let you go without asking. You know, sure. first off, you know, what's your go-to loadout? As somebody that's been playing the game since the beginning, somebody that works in it, if you tries go Tries to break it. Tries to break it. If you go in, you, you just want to have fun and run, how, run, run town on people, what do you go in with? Yeah, so I, my opinion on that is probably different uh, from many people because... I like to go with um, starter gear and take off, you know, take on players with uh, late game gear because I, I feel like there's nothing more satisfying than using an SKS which cannot even have a sight on and, you know, kill someone that has a way better gun than you, you know. Uh, so I, I go with uh, the SKS. That That's how I, I start my raid. I go with... Um, two mags in my pouches and then one in my backpack. So I, I carry uh, four mags total on me, uh, one in the gun, two on myself and one in the backpack. And then um, I don't even wear a helmet because I feel like it, it's even more risky. So uh, I, I feel like it's the way to go. And uh, and then I wear the, 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 the sand color uh, vest, which has some protection, not too much, just enough. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, the, I, I go with the Envit, uh, adventure backpack. So, uh, I always try to fill it, uh, until there's no more room, uh, to fit an item in there and, uh, kill as many players as I can. And of course, uh, whenever I kill someone, I try to grab their gun and, you know, kind of do a gun game, you know, and just try to improve my loadout as I go, uh, within the raid. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that would be my, my, my go-to loadout. Yeah. I love, I, I, I won't lie. I mean, in the early times when we started playing it and right before the wipe when we were like just, you know, using all our good shit, I love going in with like a Glock 
Sometimes we've gone in naked with no no vest, yeah. no helmet, just a standard backpack. And then from there, just try to... And there's been times we've gone in because of dumb mistakes with no freaking weapons. And we've still managed to to leave the game with some some body armor, that sometimes double fist in the guns. But it's a great, great feeling when you go in basically with nothing and you come yeah. out with a loadout. Like when we killed those players around the airdrop and Dude, we're like, let's no, get this. That was one of the most stacked loadouts yeah. from gun to backpack to even having the Tommy gun in the backpack. To I mean, I, I almost felt bad because it's like, wow, you know, yeah. I might I might have been a little pissed. No, they they must have been so confident oh, yeah. they were going to get us flanking us because oh, yeah. yeah, and we they were, were just in a firefight. The, yeah, and they you know sucked. how it feels from the other end because you've been there before, so oh. you, you kind of know the feeling. <laughs> some days you're the hammer, some days you're the nail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think more often I'm the nail than the hammer, so I'm very proud of my <laughs> hammer moments. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, and then w- and- one more thing I I gotta ask, and then I'll pass it to Strass over here if he's got anything else to to ask before we let you go. For a new player just getting started today, or they've been playing a week, they're they're struggling, they're, they're always the nail, never the hammer. Yeah. What's some tips <laughs> that you have for a new player in Ghost of Tabor? Yeah, so I would say like um, Ghost of Tabor and games in general, I think, are all about creating emotion and interesting loops. So because um, you want to go back to the game and you want to explore it over and over and over. So you, you kind of need to create that moment for you. So the, the best scenario to create it, in my opinion, is when you go in for the first time, just grab a loadout that feels decent for you. you know, no gear fear, just start your fresh account, go in there, grab what you feel is a good loadout for you to start with. Um, try reloading the mag a few times before going in raid for the first time, you know, just make sure you know the, the, the angle and all, you know, how to get the mag in. I know the SKS uh, kind of require you uh, to put the mag in at an angle. You can't just do like most games and just magically pop it in. You need to really do like the, the real life motion. Um, so I would do that and not go in a raid, but go in a training mode where you cannot bring items back from your raid, but you also cannot lose items from your raid. So if you die, you spawn back in your bunker you still have that loadout that you you love so i would say go uh just in a few train mode uh training mode in uh, on uh, island of sabor get used to the map see where the loadouts are uh popping in uh not the loadouts sorry but the uh crates with the the, the items in and see you know the, the what you think are the uh, the point of interest uh, of the map and then just you know, link the dots, basically. Uh, see where you spawn and where are those points of interest and then draw the routes, uh, you know, the, the routes, sorry, uh, to, to get there. So you will kind of know where the players will be based on where you spawn, where you think they will go, and then, you know, see the traffic, what it would like on the map. And uh, after a few rounds, you kind of notice, you know, where you spawn, where you go automatically as you spawn, you know, oh, I'm on the beach near pier, I'm going there. You know, you, you kind of get used to those uh, movement around the map and train against AI to know how to shoot them. I know people say AI is OP, but once you know how to shoot them, it's extremely easy to take them all without taking a single damage. So um, just get around the map, get used to it. And once you feel comfortable and you're like, okay, I learned the map, I know how to beat the NPC, 
I know like if I spawn there, I go there, uh, or at least I think, because I haven't faced real players yet, so you don't know uh, like the, the spots that people are watching. Now take that same loadout that you got used to and go in a real raid and see if what you think would be a great idea really applies to real, I don't want to say real life scenario, but real uh, game, a uh, real raid scenario and see if, if it works basically. I think that's freaking awesome advice. Yeah. I, I, I won't lie. I still like going into the training mode per se, just for um, practice. shooting, shooting practice more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was really good advice, but before we get, we let uh, Mikey go, anything else that you want to, you want to ask? I think at this moment in time, I think I'm good. That's a, a ton to digest. Yeah. That was a great one. That's I, I loved hearing. One. I loved hearing some of the the background though. Mm -hmm. like cool. what's, what's gotten this this gentleman to this point? I but think, it's it's awesome that he's part of the Combat Waffle team, mm -hmm. and and did believe in the vision. But again, just you know, a group of rock stars who have somehow. Well, I'm I'm a firm believer that you know people passionate about the game and VR like. You know, Mikey over here is is a huge part of why Ghost of Tabor and how Ghost of Tabor blew up the way it did, you know? so We haven't seen nothing yet. No. That's so. the craziest part of all. It's like, it is nothing. Yeah, not even the <laughs> not even the beginning. So, uh, yeah. you know, thank you for, for joining us. You know, that was a great, great interview. Hopefully the, the players of Ghost of Tabor, hopefully they picked up a, a tip or trick. I or would recommend a notepad. Yeah. Got some info to some, some things they were wondering and, uh, you know, anything else you want to say before we, we let you out of here? Uh, sure. Well, I want to thank you guys for what you do for VR, uh, Ghost of Tabor, and other games too, because I've seen a bunch of your uh, podcasts and episodes. And I, I really think that it makes, uh, you know, it, every content creator contribute to VR right now. And uh, and we need that. We need uh, positive takes, uh, also constructive uh, critis critiques, but, you know, positive people that really want to know more. Uh, curious about the, the, the people behind the games and uh, and yeah, exploring the games. Uh, I said in the beginning, I think uh, Ghost of the Forest success is uh, usually impacted by uh, content creators. And uh, so I, we're really thankful for that. And I, I want to thank you for the, the hard work you do because it's, it's really a lot to do to keep track of uh, like uh, who you invite and things like that and uh, keep making new content, uh, staying uh, staying interesting and on top of the game on every podcast. So thank you for what you're doing guys. No, definitely appreciate to hear that. You know, yeah, it's I made my day. It's something that we do not full time, but it's definitely a full time gig. If that makes it's a sense. Full time job that yeah. we don't do full time. Yeah. That's but what we do. That's it. what we're saying. <laughs> Hopefully one day it is full time in both aspects, both in commitment and in like, you know, paying the bills and everything like that. But it's, it's the love of the industry, you Dude, know. Two years of podcasting, and we've never missed. Knock on wood. I don't want to start now, but we've never missed a week. No, and you know, quite frankly, you know, you mentioned construct constructive criticism. You know, not every game we ever talk about, we give a ten out of ten, and we only ever say positive things. You know, when it, mm -hmm. when we have an opinion we're, about we're something, truthful. we say it. Yeah, but the reality is, we're not here to to crap on things. If there's a game that's so bad that we don't we just don't review it you know what's the point in sitting there and, and crapping on somebody's hard work but when yeah. we find a game like ghost of tabor uh, no that one instantly instantly i you know and we could have easily have just mm -hmm. talked about it on rough talk but it's like i i want to be we part have, of that but 
I want to be part of that because I, I saw the plan. It's like literally there's, I said it's like 10 years of gameplay, five years of game development and just mm-hmm. making it better and better and better. And it's like, I want to go on that ride. Yeah, and it's very few games that have like really embedded into my, my soul like this, <laughs> you know, and plus yeah. not to mention even the other games. That's what I was going to go over. I'm don't so even get me on. started with that. That's a ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and like, if I can give a, I don't want to say a tip or, but maybe a little hint of what, what I think is, uh, the recipe for success in VR is um, being able to, uh, I don't want to say recycle content, but basically like if you look at Beat Saber, you're playing the same songs over and over and you're smashing the beats. If you play Ghost of the Board, you're playing the same map, you know, going, uh, getting loot. If you look at Green Ale, you're going in the game and then you're doing stuff over and over. So it's basically making interesting loops and creating emotions Uh if you're playing Unplug, you're playing the same song and you see the crowd in front of you and they throw stuff at you, you know, it's it's just create emotions in your game, creating interesting game loops uh, and people will come back. So make sure you, the loop is there at the beginning of development. Focus on that loop, make it fun. Players will come and answer with positive uh, feedback. Yeah, you look at a game like Walkabout Mini Golf, and that's the oh, yeah. recipe. You just play the course over and over again and go to the board, two maps, and guess what? Well, dude, how much fun do we have when we do raids together? Let's be totally honest. Mm-hmm. It's it's freaking, sometimes it's like hardcore serious shit, but we're not laughing, a goof off time having fun. having fun. Yeah, come on. You know, there's it's so very many, well-rounded. You know, there's yeah. been many more maps teased to come, but even if it just stopped at Silo and Tabor Island, I'm not complaining. I have such a blast, you know, so. And hearing a bigger map is coming is scary. Yeah. In a night mode. So, (laughs) but no, you're right. Uh, A fun loop and some social elements that seem to work better in VR than they do flat screen. Even, you know, that doesn't hurt either. And ghost is a bore. They check every box on that recipe. So great advice. So uh, thank you again for joining us, Mikey. You know, that was great insight, both into the world of ghost of, to war but also just the world of vr in general so i think people like you like i said before a big reason that com or that combat waffle studios and ghost of the boar have been such a success so thank you hope you enjoy me. yeah hope you enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully this thank isn't you. the last time we have you on to boar radio yeah you know two episodes in and so far two great interviews you know i, I think we were like halfway through it and i was like oh geez i think we could easily do two or two to three hours with with mikey if we tried Two hours would have been beyond easy. I've mm-hmm. got so much to digest. It's like, even knowing, like when he's talking about the updates, it's like, yeah, I, I read the list of updates, but there's something different when people who are involved in it talk about it. Mm-hmm. You see the the pitch levels change of different enthusiasms, I'll say. And then, and then there's always the still to come mm-hmm. aspect that's even more exciting. So he's he's a fantastic human being and, and rock star like the rest of the team I'm sure is, is like holding true. Yeah. And to have to, to try to think of everything a player might do in every spot and go to try to do that in different times with different amount of people. And well, I've actually, I applied to one Q and a not really knowing in its entirety what it was just based on the description mm-hmm. that was posted. And I'm like, what do I, I'm like, what do I have to lose? You know, mm-hmm. which obviously I didn't get the, the job doing it, but it's actually cool to know firsthand from someone who's, who's done it what it really entails because sometimes something might seem like a, a turn on when you hear about it like oh i'd love to be a q a person but 
do you have what it takes to actually go in and do that? that look at what he's got to do every single, you're not playing the game necessarily. You're mm-hmm. trying to find all the, the problems or researching what someone else said was a problem and trying to duplicate it and dealing bringing with other people in to do it. Discord DMS and emails and, and I was going to all say, of that. Yeah. Dude, the community in itself is, it's just, it's monstrous mm-hmm. and I'm excited for the day when this officially goes to the store, which in my opinion, not knowledge, but it will be there someday. Oh, and it's going to be a top seller. Top it's rated. Just, the community is probably going to be one of the largest in, in I'll say quest or meta VR, but in VR in general too, no mm-hmm. doubt. PC VR doesn't matter. Any headset it goes to, it's, it's going to be any store it's on. It's going to be top selling for virtual yeah. reality. I can't imagine the amount of servers they're going to need for that day. Mm-hmm. like and a you, warehouse full and you look at somebody like mikey who this isn't his Jeez. first first entry into the vr industry i mean he's an og and nah, you know, somebody, self-development was going to build his own game mm-hmm, the one just, thing i regret is not asking him if he had what the, yeah well, what it was really and um if he ever plans on continuing with it because for all we know one of the group of games might even be coming him, from yeah. him Although I, I know so far all of Combat Waffle Studios games, I think, are going unreal. I don't know if that's the forever plan. I'm not whatever. upset about it. I know he had talked that he had learned some Unity, I think, if uh, mm-hmm. if I picked that up correctly. So I'm wondering if he's out there learning Unreal right now for some, some potential Dude, stuff. And as, as these processors get better for the standalones. The Quest 3 is right around the better corner. Better versions of Unreal that are just going to... Uh, come on, man. Is there a game that could use the performance increase more than Ghost of Tabor? Like what they'll be able to squeeze out of a new processor mm-hmm. and performance increases it's in the be Quest 3? I just feel bad that they'll probably still have to maintain Quest oh, the, 2 mm-hmm. Absolutely. for support, but that's the way it goes. You know, hopefully it's its own version. If not you get saying that they should by any means not Drop support Quest, Quest 2. 2. Yeah. No, oh, there's yeah, 20 yeah. million of that's those, of you know. Years. Three years at least. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quest 2 is on the market and quite frankly there's not a single quest 3 on the market right but now if so you look at the the time frame from quest 1 to quest 2 launch and the fact that they have been slowly certain game you know we no longer support mm-hmm. you can still play it but you won't get any more updates for it well the quest 1 to the quest 2 life cycle jump was one year mm-hmm. you know quest 2 to quest 3 is three years you know maybe the the forced amount of support won't be as long as you know we're just seeing three years later Mm-hmm. after the quest 2 launch i think the quest we're gonna one see support. quicker now too yeah so just because it was a bigger life be, cycle it's gonna be awesome though more processing power more fun in ghost of tabor mm-hmm. and uh man it's just another member of the combat waffle studio team who's been there since essentially the beginning since the very early days that mm-hmm. no doubt are uh just a piece in the puzzle of why this is such a hit there's, you know. there's things to be in its entirety, like months from now, you'll be able to put it all together. And as a studio yourself, you'll have a lot to learn, I think, from each one of these people when they speak. Yeah, and I can't think of anything else that came in the update that we didn't go over. Uh, again, for me, the big highlight is the the smoothness of the gameplay in that new bunker. I love the new bunker. It's And there's still the more doors great, to come. But the, the other update dropping the deagle is pretty freaking huge. That's huge, dude. Yeah, because that's Eagle. that's a gun that like, you know, it needs to be in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure it was on the uh, the whiteboard for a while, and it was just a mm-hmm. matter of other things first, and maybe the the They're... wipe needed to go live first for gameplay and engine region reasons. But man, so many changes with with this wipe, it actually makes me 
The wipe in the update, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that they're going to... I expect nothing less than more great things coming. So, yeah, I'm curious. Hold who, on. Yeah, we got to we gotta see who we're going to have on for episode three. You know, if you have any suggestions of people from the team you want to hear from, you know, go comment. Who wouldn't, uh, who wouldn't you want to hear from? Yeah, right. Go comment in the, the YouTube video, the comments. Uh, Spotify has like a little comment section. Also post it in, in the discords, you know. Um, again, something we didn't stress. This is the official Ghost of Tabor podcast. So, you know, there'll be plenty of, of direct communications with the team, with the, the developers to come in yeah, future we'll try episodes. our best not to speculate unless it's just for fun. Yeah, we'll keep speculation to the non-affiliated Rough Talk VR. This is for the official <laughs> Ghost of the Board news and outlet um, with developers. And, you know, again, it's been mainly Scott doing the interview. So to be able to sit down, talk, hear from all of these other members, I think it's going to be it's going to be really cool. Well, in all fairness, too, it's, it's cool that for the most part, I don't anticipate a question could get asked where they can look over for scott to answer the question too so Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting i'm loving it yeah so stay tuned for uh for more episodes of tabor radio coming soon you know let us know who else you want to see on the podcast you know some other things that you want to hear us talk about related to ghost of tabor and then uh stay tuned for episode three enjoy yep subscribe five stars all that stuff and enjoy the rest of your day ciao ciao